0: when i started dancing i didn't think about like oh i'm gonna go start dancing and i'm gonna gain a lot of confidence and i'm and i'll start talking to everybody you know that didn't ever cross my mind
1: whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with ballet dance welcome to the ballet dance live Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Belly Dance Life Live podcast, episode 135. And I am extremely happy to feature today our beautiful guest, Anna Scotti Citongo. Every day she teaches women how to use the transforming power of movement to help them gain better health, build more self-confidence, while providing them with a way to express themselves in a profoundly beautiful way. She has over 15 years of diligent practice and study of Middle Eastern, North African and Near East dances with many world-renowned performers and teachers also anna has more than 14 years of performance experience from informal ballet and shows to professional theater productions and everything in between she was featured in two dvds produced by katie sharif and with over 13 years of teaching dance and fitness at gyms yoga and dance studios anna is a co-owner of her own studio oriental phoenix arts together with her husband blue as well as a lead instructor at ahlam academy middle eastern dance she's a certified personal trainer with the national academy of sports medicine a certified nutrition specialist and a certified MA conditioning coach in this interview anna shared how belly dance helped her to overcome a speech impediment how she learned to deal with stage fright anxiety and depression as well as how she currently manages and going through pandemic situations as a full-time dance teacher i'm absolutely sure this interview will inspire you to keep going on your own journey whatever it looks for you and i know you can't wait to dig into the conversation so let's do it right now hello diana how are you doing and welcome to the podcast Hi, I'm doing so well. It's so great
0: to be with you here on the podcast.
1: Oh, I'm very happy to, to talk to you too. Um, I would love to start from the very uh, beginning of your belly dance journey. Do you remember the very first moment that you saw a belly dance somewhere? I don't know. Is it performance maybe or the poster? <laughs> Can you share that memory, <laughs> please? Um,
0: yes, I- I remember it quite well. It was actually in 2003, and it was at a Greek restaurant in Kent, Washington, and um, it was at a holiday party that the charity that I had a job at was having a party at this Greek restaurant. And that's where I saw my first dancer. And it, it's actually an interesting story because I grew up in um, East Texas and I hadn't had any exposure to, to anything, Arabic or from the Middle East, nothing like that at all. And so when my um, my coworkers had said that they were going to a Greek restaurant and there was going to be a belly dancer there, I was actually quite turned off. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like that at all. Mm -hmm. And once I actually, well, I heard her first. I heard her from around a hallway. She was playing her zills very loudly. And I was like, what is this sound? This is the coolest thing. And I started to get so excited. And then she came out and I was shocked because one, she wasn't young. She was already well into her forties. Not that that's old because that's actually the age I am now, but she was in her forties. And she was just in this beautiful, elegant, glamorous dress. And it just blew me away. She was so tasteful in everything that she did. It was not what I expected at all. And she actually, during her set, got me up to dance with her. And I didn't know what to do. I had never seen this dance at all, but she showed me a few moves and I tried it and it stuck with me enough that her performance stuck with me enough that um, I was also about to graduate college at the time. And so I I thought, what am I going to do after college is over? I'm going to have a lot of extra time to do something, you know, and I thought maybe I'm going to go try dance. And that's exactly what I did. (laughs)
1: And the rest is history, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's so cool always to hear those first stories, That, uh, especially when belly dance catch people by surprise. It's like they do not expect that they will like it so much, and then it basically changes right. their entire life. So basically it did it for you, because you came from one kind of industry, and the life path to completely different now. <laughs> yes absolutely
0: different. I mean, obviously, I was in IT doing um, technology work. And it's a completely different from, of course, what I do now, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, uh, it's an interesting uh, way of how life just kind of, you're in one direction, and then you get taken in a totally different direction. You know,
1: and how that transition was for you? Was it like natural and slow, or was it with some moments like when you start thinking, uh, when you started thinking about ballet dance as your profession? Were you excited? Oh. Were you scared about like switching completely, like the uh, professions and uh, going from like uh, IT work to now like art and dance work? Was was what was that for you? <laughs> Okay. Um, it transitioned slowly. Um,
0: First, of course, I started taking classes. In fact, I started taking classes with that very dancer that I saw first, Mm. Um, and then from there, just started taking classes with anybody who I thought could teach me anything, which at that time was pretty much everybody, and I took so many classes, so many workshops, lots of private lessons and stuff like that. And then it so happened that um, at the, the church that I was attending at the time, they decided to form a dance group at the church and I joined it. And come to find out the director was really open to learning about different dance styles and using different props. And so she felt that she could use the skills I was starting to learn, you know. Mm-hmm. And so from there, I started um teaching warm-ups to the other dancers, and I started to teach them uh, different dance movements, um, using different props, and it just kind of started there, and then it wasn't until 2007 that I was um, very, very tired of working in the corporate world. I was really tired of having to be on someone else's schedule and I was on call like 24-7 for any kind of tech support Mm -hmm. that the charity that I had a job at needed and that just became very overwhelming and tiring to me and so I decided to sell my house I decided to sell my house mm. to live off the money that I needed. So I could quit working and only study dance.
1: Oh, wow. And so <laughs> That's
0: what I did. <laughs> that's what I did. I sold my house and I lived off the money for probably a year and a half until I moved to Houston. Um. And that's where I started to teach even more. And that's how it started.
1: How was the reaction of your family and close friends to uh, now perceiving you as a uh, belly dance? First, like uh, you fully being into the belly dance, studying and exploring it, and then slowly transforming into your profession? Because... um, it's very interesting. Sometimes we have this full support from environment, from our like close people to us, and then it brings us to one path. And sometimes we may feel resistance that also can bring us to like some other path. And uh, switching from IT industry to suddenly fully being merged into Baladins uh, world, that's quite a different uh, thing. And probably for many people, it was unexpected <laughs> to see you in this new role. <laughs>
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel that I have been very lucky, very lucky. Um, My husband at the time and my family have always been very supportive of everything I have wanted to do. When I got into IT, they were thrilled. When I decided To change things up and to work on dance, they, I don't know that I would say that they were thrilled, but they definitely didn't discourage me from doing it. They know that I'm the type of a person that I think things through really well and I plan things out quite well and so they know that if I decided to do something I would do whatever it took to get it to happen you know Mm -hmm. Um, so I think they had more faith in me perhaps than they had in the dancing and um, I'm just really thankful and grateful that it paid off that it has worked you know what I mean? But it's also that I have put everything I had into this. <laughs> you know what I mean? My heart and soul, everything goes in to this passion I have.
1: Yeah, sometimes we just, uh, like in certain situations, and for some people, we just need sometimes to... Uh, cut off the plan B. It's like, no, this is, the, this is where it is now. There's no, like, plan B, right. and, like, you, you're making things uh, happen no matter what.
0: <laughs> no matter
1: what, exactly, exactly. May I also ask, uh, how old uh, were you when you started uh, doing ballet dance?
0: Uh, I was about 27 or 28 years old. So I was already, you know, an adult, I had um, already had some college, I was going into the second degree I was earning already, you know, and um, so yeah, like I didn't start young, and I didn't have any dance experience as a kid, I think I might have taken like one or two classes in like jazz that was very short-lived i had some gymnastics
1: um, classes i took but i didn't have any
0: extensive dance experience at all
1: Mm -hmm. but that's very uh, inspiring because so many people uh, these days they think that or to become a professional uh, balladance dancer, I should have started when I was a teenage or at least early in 20s. And there is like those uh, still a lot of, uh, star- of course, it helps to start the earlier, <laughs> the easier certain things are. But at the same time, especially like with ballad dance, if you put enough of work and effort, uh, like everything is, is possible. Uh, and it's very um, yeah. very inspiring to hear also your story because you are today a professional, like full uh, dancer who really like uh, most of the activities they come in or a big part of your life is definitely in dance. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I hear that often when students come in. Like I would say, I focus on... Teaching adult students, older adult students, and they tell me that all the time, that that is one of their biggest fears is starting too late. Um, but it's also, I have to always tell them that that's what's so amazing about this dance form is that it is much more accepting of lots of different people in different stages of their lives than any other dance form I know and I have to always keep reminding them of that that it's never ever too late to enjoy it you know um sure you might not want to dance professionally But you can certainly enjoy it and you can even thrive in the dance form, performing at different events, different conferences, even competitions. Have an age group, you know, where if you're an older adult, you're able to show off your talent. So um, this dance form is pretty special, you know, that it is so
1: accepting of all ages. Mm, Definitely. Speaking about fears, uh what was your biggest fear in terms of uh conquering dance profession if you had any of course?
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Um I've had plenty because I um All right. Let me tell you uh the story that I have about confidence, okay? Mm-hmm, sure. When I was growing up as a young child, and even into my adulthood, I had a speech impediment, I had a very terrible stutter. And so it uh, having a problem like stuttering, it affects you quite a bit, because every time you open your mouth, it's there, right? And you struggle so much to just communicate, just to talk to people. And often um, those who stutter um, suffer from a lot of anxiety, suffer from a lot of depression. They definitely lack confidence because they often aren't accepted by either their parents or their friends at school or other groups just because they, they have so much struggle just trying to communicate. And because of that struggle, they often are alone and don't even try to talk to other people because it's so difficult to try to get anything out. Right. Mm. And so I had this problem growing up and as I said even into adulthood and when I started dancing I didn't think about like oh I'm going to go start dancing and I'm going to gain a lot of confidence and I'm and I'll start talking to everybody you know that didn't ever cross my mind but my passion grew for the dance so much that I felt like I had to teach it, that I needed to express myself in that way, that I needed to share it with others. And so that really helped me to overcome the anxieties and the fears that I had about speaking to others. And eventually I was able to teach and it, I started teaching, and sure enough, speaking became easier and easier for me. And I was able to uh, gain a lot more confidence by having the ability to speak freely and easily that I don't feel that I would have had the opportunity if I was doing something else, you know, belly dance has given me the opportunity to, to say what I have to say in this world Mm -hmm. that I don't feel that I could have had an opportunity even in it or even in other jobs I've had I just didn't feel as passionate about those things as I do about this, that I felt that I have, I have to get over the fear and anxiety because I have something to say to this world and it's belly dance, <laughs> you know? Um, and so it's been a very strange journey. I didn't plan to have the dance form fix the problems that I thought I had, like the anxiety or the even the depression, but that's exactly what it did. I feel that um, it it saved my life because I um, was so anxious and I was so depressed, um, and. Somehow it worked its magic on me and I'm able to speak now much more freely than I ever have in my life. I'm able to speak to large groups, um, workshops, teaching workshops, teaching classes all week long, you know, and as a child, I would have never, ever dreamed that I would ever do that
1: never never in my wildest dreams oh wow that's a super inspiring uh, story thank you for sharing and uh very unexpected sure. and uh, uh so amazing to see another uh, side of magic that belden's uh, doesn't people like everyone finds what they need <laughs> here right right exactly yeah. But speaking also about confidence confidence is required not only uh in the teaching area of ballet dance but also in terms of performing because uh, uh, maybe here we don't need to talk necessarily but it's a very uh intimidating experience for many people to be uh in front of the audience wearing ballet dance uh, costume <laughs> Do you remember like your first uh, performances at uh, whatever ballet dance events or maybe something comes on your mind, like uh, performing for general audience? And uh, how did you uh, find uh, um, expression of confidence in the performance area of ballet dance?
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, um, I also had stage fright too, in addition being anxious about talking, I was very, very afraid of performing. And my teacher really had to encourage me quite a bit to get me out there. And I did. I did. And I was scared to death. I would breathe heavily. My heart would palpitate. I was sweating, I turned red, flushing, you know, mm-hmm. it was really, really terrible. And I performed a few times. And I had hoped it would get easier. And then I had made my first choreography. And I thought, hey, I'm going to perform this. And I did. And I Even though I didn't do anything wrong, I felt I did okay with the choreography. I wasn't happy with what I did. Hmm. And I stopped performing for like a year Hmm. because I was so unhappy with what I had done. Even though everybody said, oh, you know, it was fine. It was your first choreography. You know, it's it's fine. Everybody tried to reassure me, but I just didn't accept it. So I uh, stepped back and was afraid to perform again. And I just kept dancing, uh, practicing dance, and going to watch shows. And eventually, I started to become very uncomfortable watching all of my friends dance and grow as dancers until I became so frustrated. What am I doing? Why am I still dancing and still doing this, but I'm not using it, you know, Mm -hmm. and so I thought I'm I need to get back in. I need to get back on stage. And so at that point, I decided, I said, okay, despite how I feel, I don't care how anxious I am. I don't care how afraid I am. I don't care what is going on. I just need to, to dance. I just need to do those dances. And so I decided that I'm going to perform 20 times. 20 times no matter how I felt about it Mm. and so I started performing and doing another show and another event and another recital and I would say about the 18th show I took a turn and I started to feel better about what I was doing And from that point on, not to say that I still don't have anxiety or that I'm not afraid during a performance um, because I can still experience the anxiety, but it is way less than what it was when I began. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so I figure as long as I don't stop, as long as I keep performing, I'll be okay, Mm. you know.
1: Someone said, uh, uh, like, the phrase that applies to so many different areas of dance uh, activities, but uh, I heard someone phrase that uh, said that some dancers just quit too early. (laughs) Right, right. You have to go
0: through it enough to understand that what you're experiencing is normal and you will come out on the other side eventually as long as you just hang in there
1: yeah and it's not gonna go away necessarily in one time sometimes it needs 18 times sometimes it right. needs 180 times but at the end <laughs> it will go it will get like at least easier for sure right How do you help possibly your current students who may be afraid to go and perform? Do you have any uh, tips for them or any suggestions how uh, you may encourage or help them to deal with the same anxiety or stress or fear of uh, performing or being on stage? Sure. Um,
0: What I would say to them is that they are normal, and that this is okay. I feel that when I started dancing, I felt that I was the unusual one. I felt that I was the one that had the problem. But after I started talking to other dancers, and I found out that there are many of us who experience this type of anxiety and stage fright, um, that it's comforting to know that you aren't alone, that you're not the odd one in the group, but that it is such a common problem that we deal with, that a lot of us deal with. And I also teach students about different strategies that they can use. Preparing for performances, it's very important um, to keep and maintain a positive mindset, not just in performing, but even just to continue as a dancer. We are so hard on ourselves mentally and we stress ourselves out and we put a lot of undue pressure on ourselves that brings down our spirit and depresses us and causes us often to either quit too soon or to maybe discourage us from trying certain things or for going for, say, a certain opportunity, a dance opportunity to try to keep your mind in a positive place and not allow your mind to go into the dark places too often. So I often teach uh, skills on how to, one, understand how you're doing that And then how to deal with it in regards to performing um, is key. And learning how to relax, having a pre-show ritual that leads up to your performances so you're in the best possible state mentally before you go on to stage. I feel, is so important.
1: Would you mind sharing some like small practical tip or maybe one of the uh, pre-show rituals that you use? For instance, if a person uh, can sense that, oh, there is this... Wave of anxiety or paralyzing fear, it's coming on me. Like, I'm I'm I start feeling that it's beginning of this wave. Maybe there is something that they can do to at least try to break this cycle or try to relax a little bit. Like, maybe some, some small thing that you either you do, or you recommend for students, and that can our listeners maybe apply to their activities too. Sure.
0: Um, one tip could be the the day of your performance try to keep your day as happy and as stress-free as possible Um, like don't plan to have any difficult conversations with anybody don't plan to do other stressful things or say tiring things um, the day of your show, that's one. The second thing would be just before the show, when you're in the dressing room or if you have an opportunity in a space that's um, um, at the venue, to take a moment to deep breathe, taking some deep Calming breaths, go through some warm ups, shimmy the body, make big arm circles, do some stretches and things like that to get stress out of your body and to begin to relax and prepare the body for performance. And then the next thing is to take a moment after you warmed the body to, in your mind, put into focus the reason why you're there. A lot of anxiety has to do with you are so focused on what could go wrong with you, that you lose sight of why you're performing in the first place. So just before you go on to stage, you can close your eyes and think about the audience and why you're there. You're there to entertain them. You're there to show them love. You're there to show your passion and share your passion with them. And so I find that setting that in my mind just before I go on helps me to take the stress off of myself and to put the love on and the intention on the audience instead. And so I find that that really helps me to be more relaxed and more calm because I'm not so worried about what I'm gonna do or not gonna do or screwing up if I put my focus on just entertaining the audience. And sharing my love with them. Mm,
1: that's so beautiful. And uh, yeah, definitely uh, shifting the focus on something positive and nice uh, can already relax and. Uh, just break the cycle of this uh, worriedness. I, for myself, love to, just before going on stage, just closing the eyes and, like, that feeling, especially if it's the theater, that backstage may be darker or just the transition between numbers. So they put dimmed lights down. So you kind of, like, embrace this uh, calm darkness that is in between dances and just sending this intention, like, okay, first of all, I'm going there, I want to enjoy it myself. Like, I want, first of all, to have fun. So, in the worst scenario, (laughs) even if nobody enjoyed my performance, at least I had fun. (laughs) Right, right, exactly, exactly. it's so interesting how like the idea of confidence uh, it's kind of so embedded into your dance uh, journey like i mean gaining confidence and finding confidence and definitely something that you probably uh, give to your students uh, through your teaching activities right now but also it brought my attention that you had a Uh, one phrase that you said uh, on uh, internet (laughs) environment, but uh, you said, uh, learn to master the body and you will learn to master your life. Yeah. Can you expand a little bit on that? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And of
0: course, this doesn't apply to just dance. I feel that when someone takes the time to really master an art, that there is a process that has to happen. The person has to be vulnerable enough to accept the challenge and they have to be dedicated enough to continue. And so I feel that whether it's, You're trying to be a chef or you're trying to be a dancer or I have a husband who teaches Tai Chi and he has spent decades honing his skills, you know. And so that process of dedicating yourself to something really does change your life because in order to just continue, you have to make certain decisions in your mind, right? That no matter what happens, no matter how discouraged I get, no matter how afraid I get of certain aspects of it, I love this art so much or this trade so much that I'm going to do whatever it takes to overcome it, to eventually become really, really good at it. And so you can't help but transform through that, I feel, in some ways, you know, because um, you will always have to fight what you would call, I guess, uh, you know, your inner demons, you know, your fears and your anxiety, Uh, sometimes external pressures, oh my gosh, like I have been lucky, I have had encouragement from everybody I have known, but some dancers don't get any, in fact, they get a, a lot of flack and a lot of pressure to stop dancing, you know, and so I really am impressed by those dancers to overcome obstacles like that when everybody in their life is against it, yet they still uh, endure through and excel. And I think that's amazing. So I feel that when you do dedicate yourself and you decide to master something that you're really deciding to take on your inner issues basically you know you're deciding that no matter what no matter how i feel i am going to do this anyway
1: yeah and it's very uh, very inspiring that uh, how much the persistent and persistence and hard work can push us forward and uh, Right. There's always different versions of how much the percentage of success is dedicated to talent, natural talent, and how much is to hard work. And there's different variations. But it's always the same idea that hard work and persistence is always more important than whatever natural, let's say, default settings you had. And that can apply to your body, to your... Uh, confidence that you had before you start for instance dancing or your environment in terms like uh, is it supportive like people around you about your dream of dancing or not that's of course very important and determines a lot of things but what is the most important is you and keep going on your path no matter what because that can overcome uh, anything else um contribute or even improve or, or uh, not improve, but let shine those things that might have been not visible in the beginning of your dance journey.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I feel sometimes, um, when I get very talented dancers who are just easily moved, don't have struggles, acquiring technique or anything. I, I find that those or the dancers that as a teacher I struggle with more because I feel that often the t- talented ones sometimes d- don't try as hard. They don't try as hard as the dancers who, who, who know that they're not as talented but are willing to work hard at it anyway. And so I find that sometimes the talented ones feel that they can kind of quickly run through the technique and they're finished. They're like, okay, I've learned some techniques. So now I'm a really good belly dancer. And they kind of quit or they decide that they're done, you know, that I know, I guess everything I need to know. And they, they go off and do things, you know, y'all, y'all understand what I'm talking about. When I say they do things, (laughs) they go start professional gigging or start professionally teaching and they shouldn't be right. So I love the dancers who, who are more humble and who, who understand, uh, that that they need more work and they are willing to do it those are my favorite students
1: yeah that's so true and uh uh we often go into two different opposite extremes either overestimating our uh, like knowledge skills and stuff and thinking we know already everything or Uh, opposite underestimating and not acknowledging our achievements but always like uh, um, not seeing the good stuff and progress and the trick is actually to find this balance that we can just keep uh, doing hard work but in a uh, positive, uh, with a positive mindset and still seeing the goal, uh, why we're doing it, what for we're doing it and just keep going no matter what is around us.
0: <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Uh,
1: you know, right now we are in a very tricky uh, period of time in terms of uh, world history and uh, a lot of dentists may experience uh, like almost like a dense depression and lack of enthusiasm to dance and to keep practicing because we lost that. Uh, well, there are many things going on, like lost of a social connection that we physical present in the studio. And for many people, it's an important element why they're going to ballet dance classes or any kind of classes, but also a lot of uncertainty in general in the world that can um, trigger some sort of anxiety that will kill the enthusiasm of actually dancing and uh, like trying to connect to your body or to, to joy and even the fact that now we kind of really push to explore the space of dancing for ourselves <laughs> rather than dancing for others right uh, first of all i'm really curious how the uh pandemic times um went so far have been going and are uh, going right now for you and also in terms of your teaching activities and supporting your students who may right now actually experience lack of enthusiasm or joy uh, in dancing right
0: right right well it's very hard to have any expectations right now i think that generally we need to be open and not have any expectations because I feel that if we think we're going to accomplish something or think we're going to create something or think we need to do something and the world around us is so crazy and everything is falling apart and there could be even issues with um job loss or somebody that they know is ill, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And so I feel that it's better to kind of cruise at this point, to kind of go along going with the flow rather than try to, to fight it. You know, I, let me see, In March, we got the news we had to close the studio. And so luckily, because I do have that technology background, I was able to pivot quite quickly and go online. And so from day one, we have offered classes online, which is great. And then in May, we were able to open up again to a small degree and then in a few weeks we were able to open up even more and so right now even though we're open dancers are still very apprehensive understandably apprehensive because we don't know what we're dealing with right now yet. I mean, sure, there's a lot of scientists who are saying different things. And of course, ones in the government saying different things, but we're still trying to understand this. And I totally understand dancers' apprehensions to to join back in at the school in person. So we have decided to go ahead and continue our classes online. In fact, I'm thinking we're just going to do it indefinitely at this point. So that way, if a student wants to study in our program from anywhere in the world, they could, you know, so that's a great aspect of it. It's tough though, you know, like I see other dance studios struggling, either they aren't offering online classes or they haven't uh, opened up yet at all, you know, and I respect everybody's choice, you know, I feel that different studios and different teachers need to do what's best for them and their students based on what their students' needs are. Right. And so that's exactly what I feel uh, we have had to do to gauge how our students are doing, constantly checking in with students and seeing how they feel and using them as the guide. Because like as a teacher and as a studio, you can't, pressure them you can't force them to come into the studio you cannot force them to stay home but if we provide options different options and flexible options then that at least allows more students to stay connected and to take part.
1: Hmm and did your teaching focus uh, change, uh, like compared to what you were focusing in the class? I mean, even uh, before and now? Because uh, I was just curious since many teachers, they uh, sometimes for certain classes give uh, a lot of goal oriented uh, tasks, or like we need to prepare choreography for like the show, for recital, for. Uh, Like, or you just, we just need to finish choreography. Uh, And now it's a lot of also uncertainty, like what for those choreographies right now. So I don't know for you, uh, maybe change something, maybe not. But uh, I was curious if you adjusted um, any focus that you uh, put your students' attention to both like in physical classes, like in studio and online, specifically because of this current uncertain situation.
0: Well, I have been lucky that most of my curriculum is taught workshop style. So each class is its own little, you know, individual class. And so it isn't progressive. And at the time when we were asked to shut down, we were in between classes that are taught progressively So it was easy just to not start the progressive classes and then to continue the classes that are individual, right? So I was so lucky. And I'm seeing like out in the Western dance world where their whole programs are designed around shows and recitals Mm -hmm. and so they are really struggling so much to to have something because of how their programs designed you know that it all revolves around the shows but here we didn't have a show coming up and so we were just in the middle of of planning the next session and so I feel incredibly lucky that 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 isn't how I run the studio because if I would have been running the studio that was designed around an event I felt I would have been totally screwed (laughs) frankly you know what I mean I would have had a tougher time but uh, how how I usually teach with the classes being so individual workshop style, it was very easy to transition to online very
1: easy mm. yeah i was just uh curious maybe now you choose specific topics with this idea that oh many students may experience this uh kind of like anxiety or depression due to the current uncertainty in the world uh so that's why i was curious mm-hmm. like to know like if you maybe shifted or now you're more um, thoughtful on which like topics for those mini workshops uh, uh, to choose uh, for, for your classes these days? <laughs> so that's why I asked the question.
0: <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I feel that in times of uncertainty, which right now times are really uncertain, that the best thing to do is to go back to the basics because I don't feel that people really have the brain capacity right now to really deal with anything new or to deal with something special or you know what i mean like they they don't want to have to do something else you know or to do something new because their brain is already occupied with stuff you know with anxiety and depression so i think just offering offering just a good solid class that they can move and sweat and get the stress out is the best thing for them right now to me you know um certainly I, I mean there is so much opportunity if a dancer wants wants to um, to experience something else there are so many great instructors right now that are offering something special and different online. So I definitely encourage students to to explore different teachers and different classes and stuff like that. You know, um, but I think for me, we just need to keep the community together, and we just need to focus on just getting the stress out of our bodies. You know, staying connected and de-stressing I think are the top priorities right now instead of trying to ask anything special of dancers because our brains, you know, are on other things right now frankly. You know, it's on survival. You know what I mean? It's on survival at this point.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. so true. Like I like how you put it. The de-stressing it's one of the goals right now. <laughs> Well, talking of age, I also cannot yeah. skip the opportunity to ask some of your tips from the point of view of uh, nutrition to help to dancers to decrease the level of stress because I know that you are certified a nutrition specialist, <laughs> and maybe oh my God. maybe you have a couple of tips or suggestions like generic. Of course, everyone will be individual, and the nutrition plan for everyone will be individual. But somehow, like from I don't know if there are many anything like from dance point of view also that you kind of pay a special attention to the nutrition and what you suggest to maybe help your students with some tips, uh, advices, or, uh, and maybe now you can have like uh, some suggestions for dancers, especially in the terms of like surviving pandemic and, uh, distressing our, (laughs) our life these days. (laughs) Sure.
0: Sure. What what I will say first is that this is nothing new. This is probably stuff that you already know, but it will only serve as a reminder to you that how much the basics of taking care of yourself are so important. And so I would tell you this. Right now, during the pandemic, I would tell you this if it was last year, and I'm going to tell you this in 2021, how important it is to focus on the basics of your body and on your nutrition, meaning, are you getting enough sleep? You know, is, is the current stress that you're under? whether it be a pandemic or it be your employment, a lot of dancers also have regular day jobs too. Are you getting enough sleep? You really should make sure that you are getting enough, not staying on your phone late at night, you know, and doing all of that. You need to decide to to get enough sleep, making sure that you are, Hydrated enough with the right fluids. Like, you definitely need pure water. You know, you need to avoid drinks that are like caffeinated or artificially sweetened, stuff like that, right? You want to make sure that you're hydrating yourself with the best liquids you can find which is usually pure water right and then you also want to especially right now during the pandemic it's thrown our schedules off quite a bit and so like your kids are at home if you have children your kids are at home you may be working at home now and you're not keeping the same schedule, maybe try to to get back onto a schedule again. It doesn't really matter what time it is, but just letting your body experience the certainty of having a schedule, that's going to also help to calm you down. Because if your eating schedule and your eating habits are all over the place, you're not sleeping enough, and you're dehydrated, your body doesn't feel stable and confident. And so I feel that eating and drinking in a way that's very scheduled out will make your body feel more at ease. And that will also in turn, help to ease your mind as well. Because sometimes Something could be, your body could be stressed out and you may be interpreting that or sensing that in your mind rather than from your body. And so sometimes the anxiety actually isn't anxiety of the mind. It's anxiety from our bodies being discontented, you know. Um, So stability, stability in your sleep stability in your hydration, stability in your eating habits, I would say, or important. I'm not going to even go into like, you know, try to reduce sugar and try to eat the right foods and all that. I think that you may be asking too much right now, you know, <laughs> of anybody, you know what I mean? We're not judging anybody right now, you know, but start at the bottom, start with the basics first. And then maybe you'll be in a stronger place where you can then address, you know, well, what am I cooking? What am I eating? Is that good enough for me? You know mm-hmm. what I
1: mean? It's it's so cool yeah. that you brought up specifically like this subject, this topic because it's funny just by pure, pure coincidence a few weeks ago I was reading uh, an article and it was tips like uh, uh, if you experience anxiety put your uh, meal schedule uh, regular, like meaning to have the meals mm-hmm. always at the same time as a, a like little tip for people to reduce their stress level. And I guess that's exactly what you're talking about, like having at least some uh, small signal of at least something st- some certainty or stability <laughs> can can send this like little like right. can be switching button in your brains and body that okay there, at least something is certain <laughs> in this uncertainty. <laughs> right exactly exactly mm. well thank you for sharing uh that's uh i'm pretty sure it's well first of all it's a great reminder for everyone Absolutely. at any times uh, but especially now many dancers uh, many of our listeners may need to l- hear this kind of reminder specifically <laughs> to bring their attention to this topic yeah
0: we all need to hear this i think i need to hear it too often enough a reminder just to to cover the basics in your life first.
1: That's for sure. Um, yeah. I also want to ask you about your uh, teaching activities and studios because I know that you are uh, the lead instructor yes. at Ahlam Academy, uh, Middle Eastern uh, Dance Academy, mm-hmm. and you're also directing Oriental Phoenix Arts together with your husband. So as I understood, it's kind of like two Correct. different like studios uh, establishments. But can you tell a little bit like first of all, uh, like what is the focus of each, and how is it to direct one of the studio together with your husband and uh, do like partnership uh, coordination like that?
0: <laughs> okay, sure. Well, um, think about um, Oriental Phoenix Arts as the. Studio itself as the actual location. All right. And then Alam Academy is the program within the studio at I. Ah, teach. okay. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. And so, of course, Alam Academy, I also have stuff online as well. That's an extension of the program within the studio. And
1: um, yeah. And uh, what other programs are in the uh, Oriental uh, Phoenix Arts Studio, like space, I mean?
0: Um, My husband has a Kung Fu and Tai Chi program that he teaches his classes. And so it's been very helpful having him also within the studio because he teaches his classes, I teach my classes. And so we're sharing the space together, which is really great. And so we've been open for six years, six years, we opened in July, 2014. And uh, that has been an experience, I believe we could have a show on just running a studio or trying to run a studio, (laughs) you know, uh, because uh, there's so much to learn when you're dealing with that element of the dance, you know, that's way beyond just technique or even professional dancing. Professional dancing is a business in itself, but then running a studio is a whole other ordeal, you know, um, and so that is, I've learned so much from that, too, that I could de- definitely talk about a lot. Yeah, also. that's definitely <laughs> a
1: huge, uh, big topic. Uh, but what I think is the main, like, you know, key uh, point of your successful um studio business together with your husband maybe something that uh, especially that would be interesting to know your opinion in terms of running a studio together with a partner is there anything like that you feel like one of them and of course we will all not able to cover everything as you said it's a huge different topic but maybe some key thing in terms of uh, running the studio together with a partner
0: Wow well let me see I feel that that has been also a big challenge, you know, because it's probably one thing if say you're, you're starting a studio with someone who, who, who is say a distant partner, but Blue and I are married, right? Like we're, together all the time and I would say that the hardest part has been where do we where do we start and stop working on the business because it's like we we drink it we breathe it we eat it 24 7 our life is the studio and so we find that we talk about it all the time And so I think as a couple, we've had to kind of decide, okay, we're going to spend certain times where we're not going to talk about the studio at all. We needed to kind of draw a line, you know, and also too, I mean, um, just running a studio, running a small business. And of course we're depending on the business for our livelihood. We don't have any other jobs. This is all we're doing. And so you have a lot of pressure to make it work. And so I feel that we've had to really learn how to work together better and how to treat each other in a way that doesn't always put pressure on the other spouse, you know, because there's like certain roles that I have in the studio and then certain roles he has. So sometimes those roles cross and cause friction. And so we have to be careful to keep things, certain things, this is just business. And then here's where the business ends and we begin, you know? So it's a constant tightrope there that we have to walk. And so it has definitely been both challenging and at the same time, blessing as well, because we get to spend literally all of our time Together, And I really enjoy spending time with my husband. Luckily, that's the situation because I figure if you didn't like your spouse and you were stuck with them running a small business, that that would be a very terrible situation. So it's a good thing um, that we do enjoy spending our time together so much. So it's easy you know, um, to run the school and to do that together.
1: That's also a very nice way to put it, uh, like, where is the work and where uh, starts we, <laughs> we start. <laughs> That's a nice way, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for so many uh so inspiring and useful tips that you shared uh, today with our listeners, and even like so inspiring stories that uh, you were open to, uh, to share from your own experience, uh, in dance in la- and life. And, uh, uh that's definitely something that uh, many of our uh, listeners definitely need to hear. In general, but specifically at this point of of what is happening in the world too. Thank you so much for your time.
0: You're welcome, it was so great to talk mm. to you today.
1: And before I ask our uh, final uh, traditional question of the podcast, uh, where can our listeners actually follow you, find uh, more stuff about you, and if there are any projects or news that you would like to uh, announce uh, today with uh, uh, whoever is listening to this uh, conversation?
0: <laughs> sure, sure. Um, they can find all the information that they need on my website, alamacademy.com. And actually very, very soon it is being edited right now. I have a new book that's going to be coming out that's called the art and business of belly dance performance. And that should be coming out a little later this year. And if, Listeners want to learn about that, they can definitely go on to my website and sign up for my email list, and they will be notified when that yeah,
1: comes out. So exciting! So awesome! <laughs> I'm so excited. well. I will Yay. definitely add also links to your social media and the website to the show notes of this episode. So, uh, all our listeners, you know, you can keep an eye easily via those uh, links with, uh, on activities of our guests and follow now very exciting upcoming news. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you once again for your time and being on uh, the podcast today. And I would love to sum up our conversation with a traditional question that I ask every guest uh, who is featured on the podcast. And it's so exciting also to hear different and sometimes similar answers to this question. And the question is... Sure. What makes you fall in love with belly dance again and again so you keep doing it for so many years?
0: The music
1: and how it makes me feel.
0: Like I fall in love every time I hear it.
1: That's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guest because we love seeing who's listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.